0: To us fires touchdown Miami waddle stuck into the end zone of Miami boy tight pro, tight window they had to get that touchdown on that play they get it what is up Dolph fans and welcome to the drive time podcast part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network covering your team your Miami Dolphins how's it going everybody I am your host Travis Winkfield and as always I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's our final preview show of the season. Week number 18 is here. Dolphins and Patriots on tap. We'll break it down as we do each Thursday here, position by position. Some key stats tell you how the Dolphins can win the game and give you the three keys to victory. From somewhere in South Florida, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Let's do this one more time, shall we? But first, before we do the game preview, a quick reminder, please go ahead and check out our YouTube channel for the media availabilities on Wednesday. They were really good. We had some good moments with Matt Collins. I thought Christian Wilkins talked a lot about run defense and how you play it and how to play within the scheme of defense. I like the way he talked about Emmanuel Ogbon, and what he's done for his career at this stage of their career. Uh, Mike Kosicki talked about his leadership role, about playing with Hunter Long and kind of helping the rookie come along in his game. Tua had some comments about the Patriots' defense that I thought were very interesting and and kind of intriguing for the matchup on Sunday. He also floated out the idea of training specifically for cold weather games in the offseason and some other really good insight there from QB1. Lots of good stuff. Go check out our YouTube channel. So the Patriots. I always find it fascinating playing a team in the first week of the season and then again the final week of the season Did you kind of see how you know, every team in the National Football League, like every season is a story, and that to me is what makes it fascinating for all 32 teams, not just the teams that are in contention or the top of the conference type of teams. Like I find all 32 team stories to be intriguing, I like, guess the best drama in the world to me. And so with this Patriots team, you kind of see where they've come from week one, a bit of a slow start after I think it was one and three to begin the season. They have that great winning streak that gets them in prime position back on top of the AFC East, drop a couple of games to the Colts and Bills respectively, and then show up last week with a 50-burger on the Jacksonville Jaguars to clinch a playoff berth for them here after a one-year hiatus from the playoffs after. That's what they've known for so many years there in New England, and Divisional round trips or skipping to the divisional round with the first round bye for so many years and so many conference championship games and so many Super Bowl wins and a few losses here and there. But where they arrived or how they got to where they are right now, it began back in free agency. And, you know, last year, the Patriots had so many opt outs and different circumstances and situations that just put them shorthanded in a lot of those games. And they still found ways to win a lot of those games they played last season but they went out this offseason and gave themselves depth and gave themselves a shot in the arm to the areas of strength and added to their areas of weakness in that in that free agent spending spree. They put their first round draft pick towards a quarterback who's played every game for them this year. And there are some of the you know, same old names you've come to recognize there with the Patriots, whether it's a Dietrich Wise or a Lawrence guy or on the other line, on the offensive side, a Shaq Mason, all these guys who have been just stalwarts and institutions for all these really good Patriot teams, and they're you know just as many of those guys making big plays as there are newcomers making big plays for this 10 and 6 football team and they're going to stress discipline and fundamentals and not making mistakes and not beating themselves and being aware in situations that other teams just have not really executed on that same level for the last two decades now i just think you have to play your best game to beat these guys because they're not going to beat themselves so you have to bring your a game against this team because the on the one or two occasions a year they that they maybe make some mistakes and, and lose a game that way, uh, you're, you're going to be lucky to get that draw. So you better bring your best game against them every single year. One year without playoffs and then right back in it. That's what this team does. They find a way to get into the tournament and then make some noise once they are there. But at this position, it's new this year, like it was last year. at The quarterback with the Dolphins' safeties going up against Mac Jones as we start our positional preview here with the Dolphins' safeties versus the New England quarterback. And Mac Jones, you know, he has the high completion percentage The football comes out really quick. He plays with a high aptitude, especially for a first-year player. And, you know, I go back to watching the Colts in-season hard knocks, and they kind of showed you, and that's one of the beauties of the hard knocks program, is some of the Almost invasive level access you get to game plans and different things of that nature, and they talked about how this guy is going to get the football out quick, stay healthy onto the next play, and get the take the profit where you can get it. And you know we heard Tua talk about the Patriots' defense on Wednesday and how they can kind of force you to play a type of game that they want you to play, and how if that means taking the check yard, check down yards, and going ten yards at a time, that's what he'll do. And I think Mac Jones embodies that idea. And that philosophy quite well that you take what the defense gives you and don't force it. And of course, you'll have a couple times in the game where you have to make the big time throws and stick it in there. But if you stay on schedule and really complement what the offense does and complement what the defense does, you can find a way to win a lot of football games. And we've seen them do that this year, 10 wins and six losses. You know this guy's not going to keep it on the around the end on his own read. He's not going to scramble and drop the arm for a side side arm throw across the body type of throw. But he's an efficient player that plays really well within the structure of the scheme. So how do you slow that? Well, you have to confuse him and try to force him into those off off script and off scheme plays and and force him to make plays outside the structure and see if he can do it. Maybe he can, but that's he's been really good and efficient within the structure this season. And they've done a good job keeping him in that system. So, how do you get him into those confusing type of looks? Force him to throw into coverage and those types of things. You have to make it difficult on him by changing the picture post-snap. Now, in the first matchup, here's how the Dolphins dialed it up: 40 dropbacks for Mac Jones, 21 blitzes. That's according to Pro Football Focus. When he was blitzed in that game, he was 16 for 20 for a buck 38. When he was not blitzed, 13 for 19 for 143 and a touchdown pass. When he was kept clean, 21 for 26 with 8 yards per pass. And when under pressure, he was 8 for 13, averaging 5.7 yards per pass and a touchdown in that game. So really those numbers tell you the key is, and this is really a truth across all spectrums of football, getting pressure with your four down linemen or four, bringing just four bodies after the quarterback. Now, I thought it was interesting Wednesday in his media that Bill Belichick said the Dolphins have done a good job of mixing up their calls and doing a lot on defense. And that's something we've talked about with the All-22 Reviews here on the Tuesday editions of the Drive Time Podcast. Now, in Game 1, the Dolphins' safeties looked different than they do in this game. First of all, Jason McCourty was healthy. And he played 74 snaps in that game and played really well in that game and had a very, very good pass breakup on a deep pass in that game. Eric Rowe played 65 snaps. Javon Holland played 24, and Brandon Jones played 11. So now those two younger players, Javon and Brandon, are playing just about every snap of of most games while Eric Rowe kind of has a thirty to forty fluctuating type of snap workload per game, but they all play really good. And McCourty is not available right now, but the personnel's changed a little bit. And I just I'll be curious to see if they bring those safeties, the two guys that lead all safeties and QB pressures this year, if they play off. If it's a lot of big nickel and three safety packages, what will that look like? That's going to be a theme throughout this podcast. Just kind of not really sure what we're going to see because both these teams are so multiple and can do so much. Just to kind of finish the point here, max numbers against the blitz this season are against rather clean versus pressured and blitz and not blitzing. When he's kept clean, 71.6% for 7.5 yards per pass, 15 touchdowns, eight picks. When he's pressured, a big drop off in completion percentage at 55.1%, 6.1 yards per throw, six touchdowns, and four interceptions. But again, with this offensive line, with that play caller and Josh McDaniels, and with the quarterback and the way he's able to when pre-snap and get the football out on time that has a all of those elements play into not getting a lot of pressure on Mac but when one of those things happens maybe you can affect the passing game get pressure and have success that way when he's blitzed 64.5% completion for 6.7 yards per pass seven touchdowns and three picks and when you don't blitz him the completion percentage goes up to 69.2% 7.5 yards per pass 14 touchdowns and eight Interceptions, And of course, a big part of the matchup is the Patriots' skill players, the receivers and tight ends versus the Dolphins' cornerbacks. And if you look across the matchups from the Week 1 game back in Foxborough, it was spread all over the place. Jacoby Myers had nine targets against six different defenders, and the same thing was true of most of their top pass catchers or top pass targets. Hunter Henry matched up on Eric Rowe, Xavier Howard, and Brandon Jones for one target each. Caught all three of those for 31 yards in that game. And going into that game, I think Jonu Smith was maybe a little more kind of the 1A to the 1B in Hunter Henry. And that's kind of flipped so far as far as snap counts go. But Jonu in that game had five targets against five different defenders. And he did play more in that game than Hunter Henry did. But I think it'll be more about matching up on a play-by-play basis based on alignment and assignment. And they can really mix up their personnel groupings too from 11 and 12 and 13 and 21 and 22 personnel. Jacoby Myers, though, the receiver, was their top target getter this year with 118 targets. He's caught 79 of those for 796 yards, and he caught his first career touchdown a a, few weeks back, and he has two on the season now, and I love the way they got him that touchdown and the whole team celebrated along with him because he's he's been a good player who's really put the work in and kind of climbed up the depth chart, and now he's kind of the go-to guy there with 118 targets, and he does it. With really good route running, he's got a lot of core strength and ability to kind of sink the hips and explode out of those breaks and use his body to not only keep himself free of defenders, but stay on balance during the kind of physical exchange of each and every route. Now, Kendrick Bourne has 66 targets for 52 catches, a high catch percentage for 776. And I just wanted to write this about both he and Myers and really the entire receiving core that when you look at a Patriots receiver, they typically carried a lot of the same traits from year to year and those are a smart player that understands coverage and concepts that knows how to play off of leverage and where soft spots are in the zone and that's what Bourne kind of makes me think of he was a big part of those Niners offenses and all the misdirection and kind of opening up those windows and finding those windows when you get a false step from a linebacker based on the motion you you present for that linebacker and the eye candy. I, I like the way he can understand the way a defense moves and reacts to what you do and then find those soft spots. And that's what Jacoby Myers does pretty well, I think, too. And you continue this receiving core here. Christian Wilkerson is a new guy there. He's, I think, 14 targets, but I'm not really familiar with his game. But he's part of the equation there as well. And then kill Harry, a former first round draft pick out of Arizona State. He has 21 targets this year, 12 catches, a buck 84. And when he was at his peak or when he is at his peak, it's all about run after the catch. He'll be involved in the screen game. He can block as well. So he does a little bit of the dirty work there in that Patriots receiver's room, which is also a trait that really, again, one of those things that you kind of, the non negotiables for the Patriots in that receiving core. At the tight end position, Hunter Henry has 69 targets. He's caught 45 for 517 and nine touchdowns. And we talked about the leverage of understanding the defense and all those things that the receiving core does. It extends the tight ends here for this team as well. I watched a a real good bit of Hunter Henry When he was a free agent, uh, was it last year? Yeah, I guess it was last year. And the only real concern I had when watching him was there wasn't one. The concern with him was the medical because he's missed so many games in his career. But he's found his health and he's producing there for the Patriots. He's a multidimensional player who will be involved in the running game and the passing game. And when he's on the field, you have to be real careful and real sound with your substitutions and your your responsibilities because they can get to multiple different looks with him kind of being the Chess piece that can extend to, here's a classic inline Y. Here's a guy that goes out to the slot. Here's an H-back that can do multiple things. So you have to keep an eye on Hunter Henry. And then John O. Smith, 45 targets, 28 catches, 249. Super athletic. He was a yak monster in Tennessee. And again, Henry's emergence has kind of slanted the snap counts a little bit more in his favor. 708 to 501. But they still use both these guys plenty. And they both really factor into the running game. So how do you match up? You know, Xavier Howard has had another really good year here. He'll play his 32nd game in two years out of possible 33 here when he starts on Sunday for the Dolphins. And Brian Flores mentioned the flexibility that he offers and the ability to, hey, we need to go cover that guy. Can you go do it? And yeah, he does that. And, you know, I'm not real sure who that would be in this Patriots game. Most likely, going to be some variety. We've, we've seen that all year long. And that's where Byron Jones kind of comes in because as he continues to do a good job this year himself, you know, having him an X allows you to switch up how you do that. Maybe it's Byron that goes and gets that guy. Maybe it switches up how you bracket, where you can go man up. And the Patriots, again, offensive versatility makes it really hard to forecast how that will go. But every time we get to this part of the matchup, I always feel good about X and Byron because these are two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Nick Needham didn't play as much in the opener back in week one, but he's, again, had a second really nice year here of kicking inside of the slot, played some safety a little bit earlier this year as well. But, you know, a guy that continues to evolve his game, I'll be curious to see what his ever-evolving role is in this one. He didn't play a whole lot in that first season opener. Uh, To the Patriots' offensive line, Dolphins' defensive line, we'll get to that here in just one second, but real quick, a short break back here on the Thursday edition of the Drive Time podcast, previewing Dolphins and Patriots. And we move into the trenches on the Patriots offense and Dolphins defensive line. And that's been a huge part of this Patriots team success for really as long back as I can remember. I mean, Dante Scarnecchia is one of the greatest football coaches of all times. And he's kind of set the the mode and and the tempo for how things are done there in New England. He left for a little bit and came back. And the way he taught things is is still kind of having an effect there and they just continue to have success up front even with different personnel and different coaching, they the offensive line of the Patriots is a bit of an institution. It helps them in the running game. They're very good in the pass protection game. They're smart. They identify where different looks are coming from. They squeeze it when they have to. They extend when they have to. They can go ISO on either side of the offensive line with, some, with two pretty good tackles there as well. It's a deep group. They have guys that can step off the bench and fill in as well. I'll be curious to see if the Dolphins can win with some of the games they run up front because, you know, that's... That's a big part of the Dolphins pass rush plan. They have so many different packages and looks and calls they can get to that that are adaptable based upon the personnel and the looks you see in the front you're playing. I'll be curious to see if Miami can have success with that against this good Patriots offensive line. It was tough going the first time around. Can they get more pressure on Mac Jones this time, whether it's with the Blitz or if it's with four-man pressure? That's another element I'm curious to look at in this game Is is it going to be four-man pressure? Is it going to be blitzes? I mean, Trent Brown, the the Patriots right tackle, he was injured back in that week one game pretty early on, if I recall. And Emmanuel Ogba, who primarily rushes off the offensive line's right side, but he, he plays multiple spots like all these guys do, but the majority of his snaps come from that position. And he had a pretty successful day back in week one. I'm looking forward to that matchup because Ogba wins so consistently with the length and the size and the power that he can Generate from that pass rush position and the way he can lock out against the running game. But Trent Brown's like the most, the biggest marvel in the National Football League for his athletic ability paired with the size that he offers at that position. So it's big on big. It's good on good there for the Patriots and the Dolphins. And I'm also curious about Jalen Phillips because, you know, back in week one, maybe his role has expanded a little bit since then with more snap counts and more workload and obviously more production. Can he find a way to kind of crack this Patriots code and have some production as a rookie against this really tough Patriots offensive line in his rookie season finale. And then lastly here, I'm curious about Ted Karras because he played pretty well for the Dolphins last year back in new England. They're playing well for them and, you know, he obviously knows this Dolphins front pretty well. You know, a Christian Wilkins, a Zach Sealer, and Adam Butler, because he used to play with him in New England as well, and even a Raekwon Davis for his second season here with the Miami Dolphins. I'm curious, do they know his tricks? Does he know their tricks? Is he going to pass those along? Are they going to pass it along? I mean, the the lack of... It's tough to confuse a division opponent, especially one that's this kind of closely tied together with some ex-players being on either side of the football. But I'm curious to see about how they attack Ted Karras in this game and if he can best them or if they can best him on that Patriots interior front. But it's a good matchup there. I love this Dolphins defensive line. Patriots offensive line brings it as well. To me, that's kind of the marquee matchup of the game. And we finish up here with the Patriots offense with their running backs against the Miami linebackers. Huge fan of this Patriots backfield. I think Damian Harris is one of the better running backs in the National Football League. He's scheme diverse, gap or zone, outside or inside. He's got power. He can be a slasher. And the way he finishes runs, big fan of that. Smooth runner with excellent feel and vision. Just kind of all the traits you check off the box when you see about an Alabama running back coming out. He's another one of those guys, man. And then Ramondre Stevenson was a guy that the Dolphins had at the Senior Bowl back in Mobile, back in February, and he winds up going, I think, in the fourth round to the Patriots, just another one of these big bruising types of backs that has phenomenal contact balance, and he can, you know, invite bodies to the box, to the party, and, and try to slip through some of those first and second level tackles. Then once he does that, he can get rolling on the back end and create some big plays through his power and yards after contact. And then JJ Taylor's kind of a scat back that can do multiple things. He's very fluid, very diverse and very dynamic in the passing game as well. And then Jakob Johnson, their fullback. I mean, this guy factors into the game man. fullbacks, you know, kind of a, a lost art in the modern game of football. But a lot of these coaches that, you know, go that have success in this league have gone to the fullback here. And Jakob Johnson is one of those guys for the Patriots. And he really helps helps them as well in their misdirection game because a lot of times your eyes follow that fullback in in the running game and they know how to utilize him to kind of send some traps out there and, and send some, some false alarms in terms of where the play is going and you have to be disciplined with your eyes to be able to handle that. So Big game here for Jerome Baker. There's a lot on his plate with the complement of backs and tight ends they have, whether it's in coverage, whether it's in the running game, the kind of the multiple run looks they have, like we mentioned, their ability to game plan for multiple different types of schemes and personnel. And then a Landon Roberts, also this to me is a big E-Rob game. This guy's one of the most physical thumpers in the NFL, and the Patriots love to run the football. Again, some head knocking going on there with E-Rob and this Patriots run game mentioned some of the Patriots' versatility in terms of their personnel usage. They're 55% of the time in 11 personnel. That's 5% below the league average. And I kind of assumed this number would be higher just based upon watching them and the personnel they have. But 12 personnel is just 15%. That's 6% below the average. But then this one makes sense, 21 personnel. We mentioned Jakob Johnson. They have a deep backfield. They can go two, two running backs in the game as well. of the time, they're in 21 personnel. That trails only Baltimore and San Francisco. San Francisco is way out there, but they have Kyle Juszczyk and use him more than anybody else. And then the Patriots, or rather the Ravens have Patrick Ricard. They use him as well. So 36% for the Niners, 24% for the Ravens and then 23% are the Patriots and just for you know completion's sake here the Falcons run at 20% of the time they've got Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis there the Vikings 19% of the time they also use C.J. Ham their fullback ahead of Dalvin Cook and the reason I get this far into it is after 19% there's a big drop off down to 12% for the Cleveland Browns is the next highest figure of 21 personnel. So the Patriots utilize that package as much as anybody. And then 22 personnel with two backs, two tight ends, five. that's 5%. And they can also go heavy. They can roll up heavy offensive line and get a 6th or even 7th man out there. They did that back in the opener in week number one. So lots and lots and lots to prepare for and to get ready for. Before we jump over to the other side of the preview here and talk about the Dolphins offense versus the Patriots defense, a short break. Drive Time Podcast, Thursday edition, your host, Travis Wingfield, previewing Dolphins and Patriots Week 18, our final game of the 2021 season. We'll also have John Kinjemi on the podcast on Friday to break the game down with him, answer your mailbag questions, and pick the NFL games for the last time this regular season before we get to next week with the recap podcast, the All-22 podcast, and then eventually head into off-season mode. We'll update you on what that looks like next week, but for now, Dolphins quarterbacks quarterback versus Patriots safeties. And we start here with Tua. And in the first game against the Patriots, they really played coverage on him and only blitzed a handful of times. It was four blitzes in that game for the Patriots. And, you know, I mentioned the projects I did in terms of just doing some minimal charting on the podcast yesterday and the difference between blitzes for how teams attacked Miami, how Miami attacked opposing teams and the splits. And there wasn't really so much instructive data in the wins and losses in terms of the blitz numbers, but you could see as you go through that project that some teams planned to come after him and others didn't, and the Patriots did not in that game. And he wound up actually having one of the better days statistically against this Patriots defense we've seen this season. If you want to talk about yards and passer rating and and all that fun stuff, because they are very, very, very good, and it kind of starts in that back end, and it kind of starts now or it used to or still does with Devin McCourty, but now Kyle Duggar is a big part of that defense as well. He is rangy. He is smart. He is instinctive. He can, like the Dolphins we talk about, you can mix your coverages with him. He, he can buzz. He can come in and kind of rob the middle of the football field. He can get deep into the post. He can come down and match up as well. He factors into the running game. I can't say enough things about Kyle Duggar. He's very good. And that's, you know, Devin McCourty, even at this late stage of his career, he is uh, one of the best, one of the best to do it. And those two guys together with the, the way they kind of match and the way they roll coverage and the way they cap, they create opportunities for interceptions and the way the Patriots can play some of that press trail technique and they bracket over the top. They just do such a good job of funneling to help and and creating balls up in the air and tip passes and contested coverage. And that's how they get so many takeaways. And that's how they play so good on defense year in and year out. And to me, it's, a lot of that starts with the defense. So for Tua, he's going to have to identify those two guys. Also Adrian Phillips, he's a big time Uh, player in that big nickel defense they run there and different dime packages and things they get into their deep deep sub packages. Easy for me to say. But for Tua, it's going to be very important for him to be able to recognize where those guys are, how they rotate post-snap, and kind of how that dictates where the coverage might be to open up some of the matchups underneath. And you got to be so precise against this Patriots defense and beat them with anticipation and beat them with kind of fitting windows in the intermediate portions of the field because they can they can take away the deep part of the field, they can put pressure on you quickly, and with some of that seven- or eight-man coverage they can play, you're going to have to find some of those windows, and sometimes they're not easy to find against this Patriots defense. For the Dolphins receivers and tight ends versus the, the corners of the Patriots, if you go back and watch the Titans game, they often had an extra defender to J- to Jalen Waddle's side, and whether it was you know a four by three or a, a two by three or whatever the case may have been with how they covered versus pressure, Waddle got a lot of attention in that game. They bracketed him, and he found some of those soft spots. But you have to imagine Jalen gets similar treatment in this game as kind of the Dolphins' top target and pass catcher and yards and all the stats that he leads Miami in. But again, the Patriots kind of built front to back, even though it's good in all levels. This Dolph- or this Patriots secondary is. Is choice. I mean, J.C. Jackson, he's he's right up there with Xavier Howard for my money as one of the top ball hawks in the NFL. Trayvon Diggs obviously joins that category this season. You know, Jair Alexander and Green Bay. There's, there's plenty of them out there, but these two guys are two of the very best. And just the way he covers and the way he plays and the way he competes. And it's so impressive the way they generate takeaways with the way they play. I'm a hard time explaining this, but the way they kind of play in terms of you know, he plays that underneath trail and he has a way of just kind of staying in the right position to flash a window to the quarterback and then take it away to last second. That's kind of what X does in some of those over routes and those crossing routes. They can, they have a way of doing that with their whole secondary and it just generates so many balls in the air that get picked off. So JC Jackson's really good. Jalen Mills is having a good year for them. uh, Kind of the, other perimeter cornerback for the Patriots. He was an addition from the from the Eagles, I believe, last season. And he was in perfect coverage on that one deep ball to Albert Wilson back in the season opener when it looked like Miami might be able to steal a 25-yard touchdown pass from Tua up to Albert Wilson. This group is deep. Uh, Justin Bethel there as well. He plays on special teams. But how they match up, I, I think it just kind of goes, like we talked about on the other side of the football it's gonna be all over the place. You're gonna have different matchups throughout the course of the game. But again, you have to throw against this Patriot secondary with excellent anticipation. And if they give you those one-on-one opportunities in the vertical game, you're gonna to have to find a way to hit one of one of them or two of them to kind of get them to back off. I thought the two long passes to Waddle and Parker last time around were huge keys in that game. And you'll see them get aggressive and take the football away if you live in that short box all game long. So finding variety in the passing game also a key for Tua and these Dolphins receivers. And it'll also be a key on the Dolphins' offensive front against this Patriots' multiple defensive front to win that matchup and give the passing offense enough time to do their thing and create enough yards in the running game to have the offense be able to stay on schedule to get to those passing opportunities. It all starts up front. And, you know, the Patriots, for years, have played what I call big man football. They have so many guys that are large human beings who are difficult to move and can physically compete for 60 minutes and wear on you. And they also... Provide a lot of the things the Dolphins have. Different types of fronts and flexibility. They run all kinds of games and stunts and have packages for days in those regards. They win on early downs to help set them up for key downs. They know when to get aggressive. They know when they can kind of back off and play a little bit of bend but don't break. But those guys up front, I mean, year in and year out, Dietrich Wise, 25 pressures this year, 19 run stops. Lawrence Guy, 15 pressures, 29 run stops. Devon Godshaw, we know him, 15 pressures, 19 run stops. And then Christian Barmore was kind of the... Jenga piece here, the rookie from Alabama who set the record for most pressures by a rookie defensive tackle from Pro Football Focus, 45 of them, and then he has 19 run stops as well. He's had a fantastic, fantastic year. Explosive off the football quick. You have to keep an eye on him and make sure maybe it's a wham block, maybe it's a double, maybe it's a back that steps up into the A-gap and mugs up right away and chips and kind of slows that momentum down have to find a way to take care of Christian Barmore. Now, if they bring extra rushers, and that continues to be one of my main questions here, we'll find out in a few days. These are the guys. And Matt Judon, he's coming. He's going to bring pressure. 61 pressures for Judon this season. Josh Uche has 15, so does Kyle Van Noy. And Jamie Collins has been there for part of the season, though, so his pressure numbers are not up to those guys' standards. But he's a player that factors in as well. He also drops into coverage and does so much for them to disguise things in terms of getting out and kind of playing that hook, kind of playing the curl flat roll, And he can just do multiple things there for them. But again, back to the, the pass rush game, Matt Judon, you're going to have to find a way to get this guy blocked. Number eight, he comes in like a blur, got the red sleeves on. I don't know if i him down here in South Florida, but you, can, you, you notice him before the snap on every single play. You have to ID him and get him blocked because he can kind of generate pressures on his own. And that goes a long way with just the four-man pressure packages they have, but also their ability to be multiple and send multiple looks at you. For the Dolphins offensive line, a little bit different last time around, although it wasn't because at left tackle, Liam Eichenberg was in there before he moved to guard, before going back to left tackle, but that was his first pro game at left tackle. I thought he played pretty well on that one. Curious to see how he finishes the season here with a bookend game against the Patriots. Austin Jackson did not play in that game, but he'll be back to make a... his season debut against the Patriots, I should say, or his first game against the Patriots this season in week number 18. And then we'll have Michael Dieter, Big Rob, and Jesse Davis to round out the group. They're to battle with these guys and we'll see how it goes. I'm curious to see what the Patriots do here. Can the Dolphins get some push and create some yards in the running game? If they can do that, I think they'll have some success in this game. Now let's go ahead and finish up here with the Dolphins running back and the Patriots linebackers. The theme continues, big man football, man. Dante Hightower, He's so good. This guy is such a good player. He factors in off the football in the middle part of the field. He comes down off the edge, can rush from those positions. He can cover tight ends and disrupt and chip that way too. The pressures, the run stops, it's all there for him. He's kind of like Christian Barmore. We talk about the way he took that D line to a different level. Dante Hightower is the one that kind of stirs the drink there. I think that was a big reason why... This year's defense is playing up to a much more usual standard than we saw last year with the Patriots' defense, his absence. And then Jawan Bentley, kind of also one of these thumper types, guys that can kind of range sideline to sideline, but also just brings the physicality and sets the tone there for that defense. I wrote down Giovanni Tavai as well, the former Lions draft pick who I thought was a good fit in that type of defense. He's a versatile type of player there that can give them some more depth at the linebacker position. And I'll just be curious to see how Miami does this. You know, I believe that... Kind of some chips and chips and dumps to the running backs and the screen game could be a good way to kind of calm down what the Patriots do in terms of their multiple looks and the mixing they can do. Is that Miles Gaskin the way he factors in the passing game? Does Duke Johnson get some more run here back after the last time he played in this building? He had a big time breakout game against the Jets. What does Philip Lindsey's role look like? This whole matchup is like. Well, the Patriots can do this, but they can also do that. And the Dolphins can attack it this way, but they also could do that. So it's tough to forecast. That's why I just kind of wanted to give you guys the players here, and we'll see what happens come Sunday. Now, as far as the special teams, they are 21st in DVOA, are the Patriots, Miami's 29th. In the kicking game, they're money, 35 for 38, Nick Folk. He is 30 for 30 on kicks under 50 yards. That's a very nice asset to have. In the punting game, 46 punts for... Jake Bailey for 47.3 yards average. He's a lefty, as they typically have up there in New England. In the return game, it feels like there are fewer teams that have guys who do this, but they really just have one guy, Gunnar Olszewski, when he's healthy. 24 punt returns, averaging 12 yards per punt return. Also averages 23.1 yards on 17 kickoff returns. So he can make some plays back there as well for them. My three keys of the game, win the red zone. We talked about it last, or really, I guess, with the Patriots in the week one game. They were able to go up and down the field, with the Dolphins one on defense in the red zone, and that helped them preserve the victory. Number two, stop the run. We saw what happened last week, how Miami was not able to get after Ryan Tannehill in the pass rush game because the, the Titans had so much success in the ground game. Third and short gave them opportunities to stay multiple in the way they do things. And then number three, play smart, disciplined football for 60 minutes. The Patriots will, so you have to do it too. The Dolphins will win this game if they win on early downs on defense and the Patriots will win this game if they execute offensively in the red zone. That's my time for the final game preview edition of the Drive Time Podcast this season. We'll have John Jimmy on tomorrow to break this thing down further, as well as the mailbag in the week 18 picks, trying to bring that thing home over 70%. I think I have to win a certain amount of games to get that this week. We'll try our best. Again, we'll have more post-game content next week for you guys after the Patriots game, then it's on to the off season. But that's for another day. Until next time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast as well as our YouTube channel for all the Dolphins media availabilities and Dolphins today. Last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy is coming home. He's already going